Belgium town This town has dragged you down All the rain falls hard on a humdrum town This town has dragged you down with a track called William It Was Really Nothing. I'm David Eastall and this is The C86 Show. Welcome once again to my world. Because we'll be playing you songs you know, some you don't, and some you should. As always, we'll be crossing time, space and genre with the finest in indie pop from the golden decade. This week's special guest is going to be Bob Collins from The Dentist. Yes, one of those Medway bands, he says, trying to appear knowledgeable about the Medway scene. Anyway, that interview will be coming right at you towards the latter half of the show. But to kick it all off, I think we should play... Your favourite, my favourite track from the uh, dentist. This is I Had an Excellent Dream.
and that was the Nivens, not the ones from Norwich. No, these are the ones from Northumberland. And uh, featuring on vocals, the one and only Peter Martin, who I caught up with this week. So I'll be bringing you a special on the Nivens. And anyway, and that was a track called Yesterday that came out many decades ago and also featured on the C, I think, 88 compilation. There's been three. There was the C86, obviously, which got also turned into a um, CD triple package, C87 and also C88. Anyway, do check it out. It will change your life. And before that, it was The Dentists and the track called I Had an Excellent Dream that came from their album titled Some People Are On The Pitch, They Think It's All Over. Name that commentator. Anyway, that was, uh, yes, I'll be catching up with their lead man, Bob Collins, a little bit later on in the show, because I've got the interview, which I broke up into three bits for you to easily digest. So they they are our special guests. But uh, we're all feeling very excitable about the 80s, as always. And I thought we should play another track from, I think this is from the Midway scene. I'm trying to sound knowledgeable about this, but um, I might be failing miserably. Anyway, this is... 
DeMontis and the track called Hello, I Love You. Yes, who wrote that one? Tell me your name. 
the excellent June Brides on the track called We Belong. And before that, we had the Monus and the track called Hello, I Love You, which came out on Damaged Good Records, which uh, we used to love. And um, before that band, I think they were called the Milk Boilers, but um, I might just be making that all up. But anyway, we're getting very excited about the Medway scene because this week's special guest is going to be the dentist because I caught up with Main Man. Bob Collins. So I'll be bringing that interview very soon. Um, this is David Eastall, the C86 Show, if you want to contact me. We love your messages. You can on Facebook or Twitter. Just go to at C86 and I'll be there. And I'm always happy to receive any exciting messages. Anyway, let's have some more music. This is from our special guest, The Dentist. This is a track called Strawberries. Strawberries are grown in my garden. <laughs>
Sydney, Australia. That was even as we speak in the track called Falling Down the Stairs, which came from their, I think that was their late, no, it wasn't their early 90s album, Feral Pop Frenzy. And I do believe they are going to be playing in Leeds this coming summer. And I think the date is the 21st of July. And it's going to be something of a Sarah record special. So I think there's three other bands, including Secret Shine, he says, Slightly confidently on that one. I could, um, yes, I'll put money on that one. So anyway, if you'd like, even as we speak, then do check that out. They will be playing this summer in uh, the UK Leeds, so they might have other dates. Who knows? And before that, we had our special guest, The Dentist, and the track called Strawberries Are Growing In My Garden, and that came from the same album as I had an excellent dream titled Some People Are On The Pitch, They Think It's All Over. It isn't because we've still got lots more of the show, plus my interview that I had with the one and only Bob Collins from The Dentist, so I'll be bringing you that very soon. He says, looking at the time, realising that um, I shouldn't squeeze it in at the end. But look, keeping the party rolling, I think we should have something from, yes, you've guessed it, that petrol emotion and the track called Big Decisions. <laughs> Come over me 
Holly Golightly, name that author. Anyway, that was a track called Virtually Happy, and that also was on the Damaged Good Records label. And I know there's a connection with the one and only Billy Childish, who has got an album coming out, I think, sometime this coming spring, summer. So uh, do check that out. And before that, we had the one and only um, That Petrol Emotion with a track called Big Decision. And just before Christmas, I caught up with their lead singer, Steve Mack. So I'll be bringing you at that Petrol Emotion special very soon. I have a bit of a backlog. But anyway, I realise time is ticking on and my special guest this week is The Dentist because I caught up with Bob Collins. So I think I'll play one more track and then start the um, interview. This is Just Like Oliver Reed. Anyway, just in case you wonder who this is, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show, and this is 
the dentist. Punchy indeed. That was The Dentist and the track called Just Like Oliver Reed. And that came from their 1987 EP, Riding on the Shagpile. This is David Eastall, The CD6 Show, bringing you the finest in indie pop, as always. And now, the first part of my interview that I did with Bob Collins from the band, where we talk about life, love and poetry. Or we didn't really. But anyway, I did ask him about the early indie pop scene because the dentists were right there at the beginning. So, Bob, take it away. Yes, I guess we were. Although at the time, we probably didn't even really know there was such a thing as an indie pop scene. Um, so, yeah, we were, our first record was early 85. Um, and, you know, I, like, as by me personally, at least, I, I was kind of very... Uh, not really clued into anything else that was going on at that time. I had kind of had been, but I'd um, just become so disillusioned with, uh, you know, current music. Uh, Everything seemed to be going very slick and professional and not very exciting that I'd almost kind of bailed out of uh, knowing what was going on. So uh, there was probably, I now know there are obviously lots of other bands probably thinking the same thing and sort of eventually finding each other. Yes, I think all, all sort of almost and then sort of still not wanting to be part of a scene. <laughs> I, yeah. I suppose when you're in a situation, then you never really realise what it is until retrospectively you can look back on something and think, oh, I get it. Yeah, I think you can do. You can you can now look back and analyse exactly maybe where you fitted in or didn't fit in and how all the pieces of music you know, came together. But at the time, we had um, 
it's, you can't. I mean, you can't really think like that, can you? Think like, where do we fit in? We just kind of did what we could, released what we could, and hoped for the best, as yes. I, you know, many other people probably did. Because for me, kind of indie pop, <laughs> I sort of marked it down. It's not completely 100% watertight, this argument, but I sort of put it down as about 80, 83 with the Smiths and their first sort of release, I suppose, because they seem to sort uh-huh. of hold the baton so strongly. And, and obviously there was that sort of a glorious five years until I suppose grunge started to sort of push everybody out of the way a bit, yeah. really. And so you were the, you were sort of very much kind of part of that early wave, really, because a lot of bands came along, I suppose, after the, the influence of the Smiths and thought, oh, we might be able to do this as well, which obviously gave them a shorter lifespan. Yeah, we were... I mean, the Smiths, you just uh, mentioned probably what was the only band, say, let's during 83 and 84, probably the only band I would have been uh, really interested in current band and we were I think at least I think all of us really really into the Smiths um, but I, I suppose we weren't we were kind of trying to do a similar thing to them we kind of developed it almost at the same time as them they just obviously were <laughs> much more prominent than uh, than us but uh, yeah they were about the only the only band probably during that period that, that we thought were or that we knew about I suppose early first couple of REM albums as well maybe as but apart from that yeah not a lot really yeah and and also I mean because I suppose with that particular period it was a bit I mean people talk about post-punk but kind of quite quickly there was just this kind of wave of the new romantics and and that dreadful top of the pops which was quite sort of made everyone well I suppose it felt like everybody was quite divided you either went towards top of the pops and Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet or you went sort of slightly the other way which was the indie scene listening to John Peel and buying the enemy on a Wednesday yeah, uh, I, I I didn't have, I mean, I don't have too much of a problem just because things were popular in the charts. I mean, there was a, also a lot of good stuff still around, you know, things like ABC, uh, I had no problem with that, or, you know, the Human League and Soft Cell. I thought a lot of that stuff was really great, but, I mean, the New Romantic was, yeah, different. I wasn't so into that. Um, but even those even those bands, just every, by 83, 84, it just seemed to be getting very dull and and overproduced and you know not exciting anymore but and, and of course we uh came from the medway towns so we cut our teeth on going to see the milkshakes and the prisoners um and getting to know them so that massively influenced us not musically but in terms of the whole attitude of uh, simple, basic uh, setup, uh, really great kind of in-your-face kind of live performances with great energy and just really a kind of back-to-basics approach. That there seems to be nothing else of that sort um, going on. And did you um, and did the band form out of sort of you know what was the the, the sort of coming together of the the dentists? Well, it, it started um, just at you know at the age of fifteen, sixteen, where a lot of people in school were just beginning to get guitars. Um, I was in a year with Mark Matthews, uh, and uh, we got together uh, with um, his original idea was to do a band with two two bass players. Um, and me and him, because I, I, I started out on bass, um, and uh, he had a uh, he had a friend who was a drummer who went to another school that I didn't know, 
uh, and we didn't know any drummers at our school, so he he, he got involved. Um, and we asked a keyboard player who was quite into modern stuff. I think he didn't last very long. Um, but we were we were plodding around for about a year and a half, not really knowing what we were doing, having good songs. Uh, I switched the guitar very quite quite early on, but we were very much came you know interested in the Bunny Men and Joy Division, Orange Juice. So t- totally uh, you know came from that kind of thing. Um, and then in very late '83, early '84. Uh, we met Mick Murphy, the singer who was had been playing in another band locally, and that was the kind of final piece that made the dentist. And that was when we just took a great leap of, you know, the chemistry within the band was such that, right now we know we're actually we've got something here. Um, and then yeah, so that was '84. We played a lot around Medway towns, had a very kind of local, kind of uh, good following. Um, Eventually, uh, after about a year or so, made a record, a single, um, and then it went from there. I hope you're paying attention, because I will test you at the end of all that. Anyway, that's the first part of my interview with Bob Collins from The Dentist. I have another two bits of the interview to go, but to break it up and to keep the party going, uh, this week I caught up with the lead singer of The Soup Dragons, so I thought, well, as I was channeling the spirit, I thought we should play one of their early singles. This is Whole Wide World. Dragons, as if it could be anybody else. And there was that early hit single, Whole Wide World. And in a few weeks or months' time, I will be bringing you a Soup Dragon special because I caught up with their lead singer very recently, who's got a lot of exciting projects coming up, and uh, one that he vaguely told me about, but told me I couldn't say anything. Anyway, this is David Eastall on the C86 Show. If you want to contact me, we love your messages. Yes, we do. You can via Twitter or Facebook go to at C86Show, and I will be there. Anyway, this is the second part of my interview with Bob from The Dentist, where we talk about that five-year arc that most bands have in that wonderful world that is rock and roll. Because I suppose, yeah, five years, we, we, we'd maybe release five releases on our own, independent releases, no, no, uh, no uh, labels kind of uh, behind us. 
Um, and then, I, yeah, you're probably right. In about late 87, we just released um, Riding on the Shag Pile, which had promised to be our you know, breakthrough. We wanted that to be, a, maybe that was going to be our breakthrough. It wasn't. Um, and we probably would have, we were coming to a bit of a kind of crossroads there. Then luckily, uh, we got picked up uh, uh, randomly by a Belgian label called Antler, because we'd, we'd been playing in Belgium. Um, and that actually gave us a reason to carry on. So, uh, you know, we just kind of went down so a different path. And then again, after a couple of years with Antler, um, they eventually released an album, um, which was quite frustrating to sign to a label for the first time. And then um, there was a lot of dithering and not, not, not much happened. And then again, we that was kind of grinding to a halt. And then we had another boost when we got... Uh, in contact with people in the States and got went over there for the first time and that a whole new kind of there was a build up of kind of interest in us over there, which really in the in the kind of ninety one, ninety two. So yeah, that, that five year we could have I mean we could have easily ended in eighty seven, eighty eight had we not then kind of had that additional um uh kind of second life if you like. And where was the, and was there a sort of a moment where you sort of came together and just said shall we shall we stop it now uh yeah well that moment came so again moving forward a bit from the early 90s we got you know went to the states uh for a couple a few um times got signed by homestead and then uh amazingly got signed by east west you know part of the Atlantic, yes. um and made uh two albums with them the first album was we made with them was very successful critically and on college radio, but didn't really sell. The second album didn't really sell and didn't really get the coverage on the college radio. Right? So it was it was all downhill. So we uh, kind of thought this is ten years now, eleven years. You know, if after all, with all this uh, kind of exposure or potential, you know, that if we haven't broken through now, this is probably the time when we kind of. We say, okay, it's never going to happen. Yeah, and the other thing that I've sort of noticed is that in the last few years, quite a few bands have sort of tentatively, sort of reformed, but not really wanting to make a big thing just because they enjoy yeah. playing music. Have you sort of had any temptation yourself? Well, we did. So in 2010, we reformed for two gigs, uh, one at Dingwalls with the Claim, who are another exceptionally uh, great uh, Medway band. Uh, and uh, the following day, uh, down in Gillingham, so just two reunion gigs. Uh, our singer, Mick, uh, now lives in uh, Africa, uh, has done for many years. Uh, so there isn't really a, a permanent reunion on the cards. Uh, so that was very much a one-off. And we enjoyed it immensely. It was just fantastic because it was, just, it was uh, you know, all the interest that had kind of been retained and had built up a bit over the years you know, we had a really great crowd of people at both those gigs, and it, it was it was it was just uh, yeah, it was a great experience. But it's probably not going to be repeated anytime soon. No, because I did sort of you know I sort of realised from speaking to people how much they've just actually enjoyed playing music, but in, in mm -hmm. but in this sort of I suppose the second time round, if it is the second time, but several probably three decades later, is that they just want to do it for the fun of it and play. Oh yeah, 
you know, but they've also, there's been a nice, for a lot of people as well, have, have been able to sort of dust down their old back catalogue and phone stuff and sort of probably put out on the, on the Cherry Red record label as well. So have you managed to sort of clear up your back catalogue? Oh, no, not really. I mean, we, we, so Cherry Red released that, our debut album, Some People Are On The Pitch. Cherry Red released that on, re-released it on CD, which is a re- that was a really good sort of package. That was in 2005 on its 20th anniversary. And then uh, that album was also um, released on vinyl uh, four years ago by Trouble in Mind, who are a a small label from Chicago. I mean, they're a brilliant label. They've got such a great catalogue. They've got Ultimate Painting and Omni uh, on their their books. Um, So they they re-released the album and Strawberries. Uh, and we put out a compilation of demos called If All the Flies Were One Fly. But, yeah, the later stuff, it's one of these things where um, the kind of the, the, it's daunting to just go through the whole rights things because, you know, we had an album called Heads and How to Read Them that was on Antler Records. We had uh, Powdered Lobster Fiasco was on Homestead and then two, uh, two more albums on... East West, um, and uh, we probably there's there's a great project to, to be done there still, I guess, with some some repackaging. But it's just a kind of having the energy to kind of do all that. It will be it's it's much more easier when it's stuff you already you, you already own that you put out yourselves. And luckily, like I say, our first five records, you know, we are just completely DIY. There's no you know we just own that, so it's easy. It is all about the admin, but hopefully they will get all that um, one day sorted out and nicely catalogued and available for us, dear listeners and fans. Anyway, that was the second part of my interview with Bob Collins. So one more bit to go. But anyway, just to break that up, I think we should have some more music. This is going to be the Darling Birds and Spin.
the unmistakable sound of Andrea Lewis from the Darling Birds and the track called Spin. And they have some dates coming out, uh, live dates. This is going to be in April the 13th and 14th in Southampton on the 13th and on the 14th in London. So do check that out. And I do believe they had an EP out last year, which was also very nice indeed. Anyway, this is David Eastall, the C86 show, bringing you the finest in indie pop. As always, if you, um, I won't tell you how to get in touch with me because that's a bit boring. I've done that already. Anyway, this is the third and final part of my interview with Bob Collins from The Dentist, where I ask him about his fondest memories. Um, I think the early days and the later days, um, like I say, we had a bit of a, a, a hiatus in, not, not, a, not a deliberate one, um, but it, I think, yeah, in, in the middle years where we kind of spent about two years really not doing much and agonising about what our next move was and the record company agonising about what to do. Uh, It was a bit of a kind of band midlife crisis. That wasn't a great period. But apart from that, yeah, earlier than that, just going on tour was just such fun because we we didn't do it enough for it to become, to get jaded and go, here we go again. It was really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, And again, in the later years when things picked up again, um, we, we took off a little bit in the states, and we got to tour. I mean, we got to, our, our one big tour. We just we we got to do. You know, obviously, financed by East West was when we supported Shown and Knife and went round the the states for six weeks. I mean, that that's just if we have nothing else. I'm so you know really glad that at least you know that's one thing we got to do. You know, other bands don't. You know, don't not other band. Not, not everyone gets to do yeah. that. Amazingly, even like I was just reading the. Um, Robert Forster's book, uh, and like, even the go-betweens never did a full, you know, coast-to-coast tour of the U.S. Uh, or, or not even, um, uh, you know, a headlining one. I just that's just amazing to me. You know? Yes. Um, so we were very lucky to have to have, you know, at least to have done that at once. Well, it's interesting because there's three bands. Yes, there are three bands. Everyone normally name checks as a sort of influence, or at least one of these three, and that's the Smiths, Go Betweens, or the June Brides, really. Yeah. They were, uh, they were the three that people seem to sort of just go, yes, they were the bands. Yeah, the June Brides, I, I would say, out of those three, without any doubt, the Go Betweens. In fact, a story that the dentists were actually formed at a cancelled Go Betweens gig. They were due to play in Gillingham. It was the 8th of December, 83. Uh, and, and a couple of us went down to see them, um, and I ended up cancelling. But Mick, the um, you know who we then asked, we actually asked him to sing that night because he happened to be at the gig. So there's a little uh, weird connection. Um, but yeah, we, um, we supported the Go Betweens a couple of times, which was which was great. Uh, the Smiths, Jim Price, I don't know, less so. Yeah. Mark, Mark, I I didn't really know much about them. I saw them once. I thought, I thought they were they were pretty good. I saw them at the Kennington Cricketers. Um, they kind of harked back to that kind of postcard era, I thought, particularly. But then, you know, yes, um, Mark. Mark was a the bass player was probably yeah, more of a fan. Um, but they were probably a bit too late for us to be influenced by them. We probably thought of them as contemporaries rather than um, you know yeah. people we would have been influenced by. Well, it was interesting you mentioned about having such a good time in America because often when sort of having interviewed bands, it's often America that was the the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so they say in a cliched way. I think with a lot of what we did, we did a lot of things the wrong way around. So uh, a lot of bands would be successful in Britain first 
uh, and and then maybe have you know two or three hits, and then go to America. And I guess if you're doing it like that, um, there's a huge you know weight of expectation and a lot more fuss made, and a, you know that the stakes are maybe higher because it's like right, this is you've got to break America, and we you know we didn't have any of that at all because you know we, we were it was you know weirdly we were like if we were signed by East West in America, East West in Britain was saying like what, what the hell are you, who the hell are these people you know they're nothing in Britain you know even if they ever were um, so there was no expectation at all it was just purely well we're just going out landing in places in the middle of nowhere there'd always be a couple of people saying wow you know the dentist thank you for coming here and it was just you know there was there was no expectation at all so it was just really uh, for the most part well there you have it the tricky and interesting world that is rock and roll or indie pop and um yes that was the third and final part of my interview with um bob collins from the dentist and uh did sound like a lot of fun in at times anyway i'd like to give him a big um hug <laughs> a big thank you actually um so yes forgive me the time for that interview anyway that is the end of the show this has been david east on the c86 show thank you ever so much for listening i'm not sure who the special guest is next week but I have got lots. Anyway, this is going to be another track by The Dentist. This is House the Size of Mars from the album Heads and How to Read Them. Take it away, boys. I know.